0: Hi everybody, Um, I'm Gillian Hepburn from Schroeders and welcome to the eighth podcast from the Diversity Project Gender Workstream, where we're exploring a range of themes and consider how we can encourage young women to join our industry. However, as I always say every month, everybody is welcome. All of the previous podcasts are available on the Diversity Project website and also on Spotify. Uh, Last month I had great fun talking to our guests about the new skills workshop It's a great initiative to help people who are interested in joining our industry. And it's supported by 60 companies, which is a fantastic effort. And and thanks to everyone who shared their feedback um, with me on this. Today, we're gonna consider the challenges of flexible working and work-life balance, a really hot topic, but does our industry support this? And it's a topic, particularly for women, but actually it's equally relevant for men. Interestingly, if you remember, if you're a regular listener, I shared on the podcast last month that um, a couple of years ago, I did some speech networking with some school children to talk about careers. And one of the things that struck me when they asked me about my career um, in asset management was, was I stressed? Interesting question, but it appeared that there was a view that those of us in our industry work really long hours, have no breaks, and we don't have any work-life balance. So we're gonna explore a bit of that today. Um, And who's in the virtual studio with me? Well, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Emma Holden, who's Global Head of HR here at Shoulders, and also Michelle Munier, who's heading into her first graduate job. Michelle, let's start with you. Um, Could you tell us a little bit about your background and your route to financial services, and also whether you do think that there's a perception that work-life balance is maybe a bit of a challenge for our industry?
1: Yeah, sure. Hi, everyone. As Gillian just mentioned, my name is Michelle Migny. I recently finished studying my undergrad at LSE. I studied economic history, so essentially history with an emphasis on more economic theory, so maybe not the most conventional way to enter finance. I guess I really enjoyed my degree, especially the research part, I think the kind of independence and the ability to learn a lot more was really interesting for me personally. So I did an internship in equity research and realised that I really did like the research part but what I wanted to do more of as well is to see the impact of my research and to apply it. So that's how I got interested in asset management more broadly. And then as opposed to your question, I think definitely there is maybe a bit of a negative perception about work-life balance um, for finance more broadly. I think the media doesn't help. It definitely portrays this kind of extreme view of working all the time. And I guess um, for me initially, it was a bit discouraging. I was a bit like, (laughs) oh, finance, not quite for me. But I think you really do need to be quite curious and open-minded. And I think um, you'll see that the industry has changed and there are spaces for people and females that are maybe less demanding. So yeah, I think But broadly, yes, from a student perspective is, fairly negative because it appears that you work a lot
0: <laughs> great thank you for that it's always really interesting to hear people's um, journeys into financial services because actually many of us got here by accident rather than by design I've often talked about how I thought I'd be a teacher and it didn't quite end up like that Emma what, what's your story how did you join financial services and, and you know, given your role in all of this where, where do you think we are in the industry with work-life balance
2: Yeah, so um, I'm a a valley girl. You can probably still tell the accent is is here from South Wales. Um, I'm a single mum, parent, family, first to university. So I had no idea what I wanted to do with my career. Um, And I started work at PwC, so I trained as an accountant. Um, I then went into the steel industry for eight years. And that's how I came up to London um, on investor relations. So selling the steel industry into the city. Um, and that's how I came to Schroeders actually and joining the firm in the head of corporate communications role before taking on the HR lead eight years ago now. Um, so I've been at the firm 14 years. Um, and I think what's really interesting um for for me was i certainly had a perception in coming into the city seeing investment bankers were you know 24/7 on projects and financing deals was actually then when coming into an asset management how my work life balance actually improved massively compared to the steel industry. And actually what was certainly at Schroeder is a very family oriented place where I'm still very proud to say with children 10 and seven, I've still not missed a school event and I hope I can always maintain that record. So I think asset management particularly has always had a pretty good reputation for flexibility. Um, But I think what you're now seeing more broadly across the finance industry regardless of different segments is actually employers really realizing that if they can't offer flexibility they will not be able to retain and attract the best talent so this is really becoming a, a commercial necessity and an imperative for firms because if you can't offer it or you, you talk and you don't walk the walk you will not be able to get the talent that you need in the door yeah, it's a really
0: good point, isn't it? Emma, we'll explore that as well in a bit more detail. But Emma, what are some of the kind of key initiatives that you're now seeing in the industry that are really helping us to make it a more flexible place to work?
2: So look, as as I said, I think the asset management industry has generally always been a place where you can have a reasonable degree of flexibility. Um, On joining the firm, I was always really impressed how, you know, some of our male fund managers would would always talk about getting home to the family at the end of the day and, and really that it was a culture and an environment where you could talk about yourself more broadly um I think what you're now seeing is firms realizing that because with the pandemic we've had 20 years worth of change in in a matter of months um, and really being able to make sure that that's offered consistently to all teams and all talent in an organization but but also what I would rise you know I think employee activism has risen and therefore what people want from their employers is radically different today. So they expect corporates to have a voice. They expect them to be truly inclusive. And if firms aren't living up to that ideal, then they will walk. So I think you're seeing that increase in inclusion, diversity, flexibility, because we know A flexible workplace is also at the heart of an inclusive workplace. And if you can really build that diverse workforce, then you have that diversity of thought and you'll be the best in terms of delivery for your clients. So it's a real shift between it becoming just words, I think, where perhaps some people were a couple of years ago to actually firms realising they have to walk the walk. They've got to really deliver on this. Because if they don't, people will walk with their feet and leave.
0: Sure. I mean, one of the things that struck me when I joined, I mean, obviously, my children are a lot older than, than yours. And obviously, many people listening to the call, but, you know, certainly it was a very different world 20 odd years ago. And, and and one of the things that struck me, I sat in some meetings that talked about things like shared parental leave. And I'm like, wow, that's like, that feels like a, a revelation in terms of, and it's back to, I think, what I said at the start of this podcast, that this isn't just a female issue. Because often we talk about flexible working in the context of, of women and returning to
2: work, and particularly after maternity, but it's actually a lot, it's a lot broader than that now, isn't it, Emma? Well, truly, we, we had a male candidate um, apply for a role in our firm very recently, um, and one of the questions they asked in the interview process was about our parental leave policy, not because Um, his family are in a position where they actually want to start a family anytime soon but he was asking because he saw it as a really good cultural indicator of where the firm was and as an employer and whether or not they truly cared for their staff and their ability to to truly live this sort of work-life balance um, and I think that's really interesting because you're actually seeing that come from clients as well. So yeah. if I look at how RFPs from clients have changed, you know, we're asked so much more questions in this area to really understand whether we truly are about building that diversity of thought and creating that inclusive environment for our people that, you know, you know again, if firms aren't willing to move, then they're going to find themselves left behind. Yeah, it's really interesting. Almost it
0: relates into a completely separate topic, which we can cover at some point, but the whole piece around ESG, doesn't it, and how we now assess companies. And it's not just about the environmental and the government. It's about the social. How do we treat all of our stakeholders, which includes our staff? And that's really important. So um, it's really interesting to hear about all these changes that we're we're seeing in the industry and, and flexibility. And Michelle, it's somebody who was looking obviously for a position post-university how, how important was it to you that an employer offered the right level of flexibility?
1: I think it was really important and just maybe adding on to the other point because I think definitely looking at asset management there was definitely a lot of diversity initiatives that were really supportive and as a student it's really it's quite encouraging seeing all these things so like there were like girls are investors, 100 black interns, there's just a, and the diversity project of course, so there's a lot of actual initiatives and you can see that there's a genuine desire for change and that's really encouraging. So in terms of flexibility yeah definitely I think um, the transition actually from university to work is a huge one so you'd want somewhere where you're supported and that you feel comfortable because it's quite a broad shift and I guess when I was looking at where I was considering and applying, um, it was really did range. And I think it's really hard, especially after the pandemic, um, it's kind of up to the firm now. So some have taken a really harder kind of stance. So everyone's back in the office. And um, I know people that over the summer were in the office every day for the 10 weeks. And then also on the other scale where it was completely online, I also did do an internship that was more hybrid. So I went in for like one week. So maybe as many days as I want in that week. And then the other week I was at home. And I think for me personally, that was really great. Um, It gives you that ability to go in to actually see people and meet people, which is vital when you're (laughs) new to the firm. But at the same time, there's no point going into the office if you're just gonna sit there alone. (laughs) Um, It's really great that you have that ability and that flexibility. So personally, yeah, Definitely played a large part, and I think it's really important that employers do strike that balance and listen to what people do want.
0: Yeah, and did you see when you were obviously doing a bit of research where you might want to work, do you see any really good or really poor examples of flexibility?
1: I think the rigidness, I think I've heard stories and rumours, is some kind of employers literally, as soon as you get your second vaccine, you kind of have to go into the office. There's kind of no ifs, no buts. And then there's obviously some other ones which are a lot more fluid. But again, in that sense, I think it really does depend on managers. I think that's really important because um, when I was interning again, I had two different managers, but they were still very supportive, one female, one male, but they supported flexible working in very different ways, but they were still very understanding. So that made it really comfortable for me myself. Yeah, I guess the challenge here, isn't it, is that
0: flexibility means different things to different people, depending on their existing, you know, their their life. And Emma, do do we think that employers are really now starting to grasp this and understand the importance of it when they're finding the right talent? Yeah, I
2: I think... You know, we have trusted people through a pandemic to work from home and I very much come from the, the sort of perception that why does that trust suddenly disappear now that we're able to go back into the office? Um, And and certainly what what I believe and and what we see at Trouders is is actually there's no one size fits all. So we don't prescribe a a set number of days because it's gonna be different for different teams. Um, We think about it almost as a Venn diagram. So clients first, the needs of the team and then the needs of the individual and where they overlap is where you can accommodate flexible working. Um, It's not to say we're, we're passionate about getting people together. You know, work isn't just about sitting at your desk at home you want it to be fun you want people to feel that sense of connection to something bigger so we passionately believe in getting teams together but i don't know what's going to be best for your team Gillian, or what's going to be best for a team in gt and we want to trust our people um, to work that out for themselves as long as they've got their clients first and foremost then that's all we want from them because that's very much our, our culture and our ethos um, You know, a point Michelle made really well, the challenge for organisations is that you have managers who are fully embracing this and actually those that are really nervous about it. They don't know how to manage in this new world, Um, And that's really hard. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, again, if firms, I think firms are realising, you might have heard the the phrase, the great resignation of 2021. So in the States, there's been some research flagging that maybe over 30 percent of people are going to look for a new role. Um, And you know that's because flexibility or the pandemics that you know force them to question what they want from life um so if employers can't respond to that then they're not going to be successful so you know I I think in a way that's a a positive because those that aren't at the forefront of this will have to change in time they're going to have to or they're not going to be able to just sort of keep up and, and and recruit and retain the people that they need um but you know, it's it's undoubtedly hard because it, you know, for some people and for some managers, it can feel really scary. You know, if they used to if they've managed all their lives on line of sight, suddenly moving to judging people on output, trusting them, and giving them that flexibility is going to feel very different. But I just kept keep coming back. We've done it for 18 months, and, and certainly from a Schroeder's perspective, it's it's been great. Our people have gone above and beyond. We absolutely want that to to continue because it allows us to get the best from people. I truly believe that. The hardest part is is getting people to put their own boundaries around it, you know, because we all... The, the, the split between work and home is completely gone you know it's so easy to just pop in and check your emails and we need to empower people to to sort of say that and also have really open conversations if they've got a school event or actually they're training for a marathon or whatever's important to them they can talk openly to their manager and their team to get that support to have that flexibility that they need
0: yeah, so it's really interesting. There's a couple of points for Emma that were interesting. In, in first one, in terms of rules, because some people do like rules, don't they? They like to have a boundary around their work life and they know what, what the rules are, if I could call them that. And so this flexibility can be quite a challenge for both managers and, and, and staff in terms of how is this going to really work and just tell me what I need to do. Um, and, and secondly, I think your point on people's home and work life is very different I, and I know myself um to start with I was kind of working in the kitchen and I spent my life working in the kitchen and then living in the kitchen It didn't feel very good um so is it that whole so I'm, I'm now separate I now work in a different room and I separate my work life and my home life but people did have um, some challenges adjusting didn't they and And the whole impact around things like, you know, mental health, for example, has to be brought into play here in terms of making sure that people are doing the right thing when they're at home and not just jumping on email because it's there. So I think there's a lot of considerations, aren't there?
2: Yeah, and look, and for for some teams, having some rules around it are going to work really well. But it's really difficult to impose that because to me, it should all be about the work that we do rather than than you know presenteeism is not what we want you know we want people to come into the office to come together I'm loving being back in a couple of days a week because I'm seeing my team it's fun Uh, there's lots of energy people are catching up for the first time in a long time and it's certainly injected some fun back into my job and we spend too much (laughs) in time in work for it not to be fun um but it's great having that balance and um you know you actually get to see if you can have those really open conversations about it you allow people to bring their whole selves to work yeah um, you get a far greater insight into someone they're much happier you get much more from them um, but it just makes it a more harmonious place to work as well
0: yeah I agree I, I do like the office I have to say I, I kind of just enjoy being amongst people and the buzz that that gives us but then there's times when I'm doing certain kind of work that I like to be locked away in a room and having thinking time. So we're all different. I mean, the benefit of flexibility and flexible working is it does enable us to have a bit of a work pattern that suits the different types of uh, roles that we all do and and the tasks that we have to do within those. And Michelle, um, to what extent do you think the pandemic has sort of changed people's views on the importance of flexibility?
1: Yeah, I think kind of harking back to what you've already mentioned, I think during the pandemic, everyone had to work from home. So it does show that people can do it. And it can be just as if not, maybe even more efficient. So definitely, it's accelerated this view of flexibility and the importance of having it in the workplace. I'd say again, it's that hybrid working model that I'm really an advocate for, I think it's really hard again with the rules to impose it. And I think it needs to be more of an organic kind of evolutionary conversation, figuring out what works best for people in the team. Cause I know when I was interning certain people, maybe on Mondays they were dropping their kids off and the Fridays they wanted to be at home so then it was like everyone comes in on, on a Tuesday and a Wednesday so then it just makes a lot more sense and you get the benefits of being in person because um, it would really doesn't make any sense to go in the office if you're just going to be on a Zoom meeting all day and it's more about the actual the in-person benefits that you can gain so yeah definitely I think it's hugely changed people's views.
0: Yeah, thank you. Emma, what how do you think employers are sort of addressing some of these challenges then around flexible working and hybrid working and, and this impact on the business and the customer?
2: Yeah, look, I, I think um, you know, businesses are seeing lots of benefit of it. You know, if you think about the amount of business travel that that some of our people used to do um, and how draining and physically um challenging that was. <laughs> And also for our clients, you know, I think um, we need to hold on to some of the positives of of, um, remote meetings and contact for the longer term post the pandemic, because it's much better for our clients and for us, actually. And we get far greater participation on client conferences and events more broadly than perhaps if it was all in person, where it can feel like a much bigger commitment of time. I think where... Employers really have to focus is helping managers through this because for some this has been a really easy transition and, and just as Michelle said, it, it's such a different experience on who you work for. I often say, in terms of employee engagement or happiness with career development or how contented you feel in your job, all roles, CAP manager. It's hard you you're being battered from all sorts you know there's all these demands on you so employers really have to help managers so we've been running uh, an initiative this year called lead to win that we've been um putting all of our managers through Um, particularly with one eye on return to the office but it's really been focused on how they can have really good and positive conversations around flexible working and creating an inclusive work environment and it's as much about knowing how to support someone in finding a hybrid working pattern that works for them but it's also about being able to to say actually well that's not going to work for our clients you know Mm -hmm. we've got to have really open and honest conversations and some people can just find that a bit hard but if you can give them the right training and support and we're just having much more open and frank conversations about uh, situations where we disagree on and what working patterns going to work best for clients then we'll get to, to to an environment where everybody thrives and can benefit
0: yeah and and let's face it this is this is going to take some time isn't it you know we we talked earlier when we all went into lockdown it was really it it was kind of quick and easy here's the rules you're all at home and 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 we're all supported in doing that it's interesting how isn't it that the reverse has become kind of a bit more difficult in terms of what that's going to look like and and we still don't know what the next few weeks and months are going to look like um, with regards to everything that's happening in the environment. So it's about, I think, being um being adaptable, as, into, as an organization and flexible. But to your point, Emma, which is really important, it's also not just about staff, it's that balance between us and our, and our customers and doing the right thing for the business. And that can maybe
2: be a bit, it can be a bit tricky at times. Yeah, and it's you know. Sometimes. It's why I think that Venn diagram almost in your head is really important to to think about, you know, because we we often say it's sort of client firm self in terms of how we want our people to to be thinking. Um, And, you know, but that self is also really important for wellness, well-being feeling happy about your role Um, but it's you know so it's actually where they can all overlap and as long as you're thinking about your hybrid working and flexible working patterns in that context that it's not just about you it's also about you know your clients and and the people you work with then you can find that common ground it's possible I truly believe this in every role Um, and actually you know you can find things that work with your colleagues for example um so we we will get there but it is going to take time and and we're just dealing with such a fluid situation at the moment um you know particularly as a global business we still have some of our jurisdictions that are still in lockdown that aren't able to go back to the office um but you know the workforce is really fragmented and i think at at one level we've sort of forgotten how to get on with one another (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, we don't have the water cooler moments and the coffees and the that make you laugh yeah. and smile that yeah. over when someone's maybe irritated you a bit so yeah. some of these conversations are feeling a bit charged but as I think we come back together that's naturally going to get a bit easier because it's much easier to have a, a tougher conversation face to face than it is on this of kind course. of season. yeah of
0: course I mean one of the things I certainly find being back at the office is having just these ad hoc conversations or going to a meeting and somebody um, younger than me say some of our grads being around is you know come and join me in this meeting and that's the sort of thing that doesn't happen when you have scheduled zoom calls does it that kind of informal coaching development and just generally you know working with each other and spurring ideas and then throwing things around so um, you know I'm certainly looking forward to spending more time in the office after, after the summer. Um, I'm I'm really conscious we have just got about five minutes to go and hopefully um, what we've covered today has really helped the people uh, listening to this podcast and and young people who are interested in our industry and really starting to think that maybe um, we've we've busted the myth a little bit about um, not having the right work-life balance within our industry and I think we're making huge inroads um, and it feels like we're in a great place. Um, Michelle just um one, one final kind of question before we close off today um, and what, what would be the one piece of advice that you would give uh, to the young people today listening to this podcast?
1: I would say really to be open-minded and curious I think that's technically two things but kind of one and the same in the sense that there's this perception of the industry and I think it's really important that you go for yourself and you see it because I think everyone's very different and organizations are very different so again it's really figuring out for yourself what you, do you like what do you want and then curious in the sense that really delving deep, going into all these kind of internships these programs online just learning a lot more because I think there's always a perception but it's very different on the ground so definitely stay open-minded
0: yeah it's a great a great point there kind of give us a try actually isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah and Emma, what about yourself? What what would be the one piece of advice?
2: I think I'm going to build on what Michelle said, actually, that I think as people are coming into the industry, don't be afraid to ask these sort of questions because they do tell you a lot about the culture of the firm that you're joining. and You don't want to join just something, you know, for words, you want to join for action. So really make that connection, be curious, ask the questions and make sure where you're comfortable about the culture of the the firm and the industry that you're joining more broadly. Um, But also, what we really have to get um, a change for all employees and I think you can really start with with some of our, our sort of younger talent is actually to really have these open conversations and I referenced that candidate who asked us about parental leave as a sort of cultural tool if we're having these open conversations it helps it become the norm Um, And that's really what we want to have. We want an inclusive culture where people can be themselves entirely um, at work, just as they are at home. Um, It'll make them happier. We we know it, it just is a much better place and people can perform to their best um but it, it's all going to require us all to perhaps you know talk about things that we think employers don't want to hear of but my message is actually we do and it's really important that we're having much more open um and 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 just more transparent conversations with one another
0: brilliant so some some great advice from my guest today um well, I've had a great time. I've learned loads. And I, and I think um, one, of the, um, one of the things people often ask is, um, are we able to ask questions on this podcast? Um, we've only got 30 minutes. And there's always just so much to talk about. Um, but any of us on this call today are more than happy for anyone to get in touch and find out more and, and have some conversations. Or as Em said, ask us questions, you know. Come, come and speak to us we're we're always always open and happy to speak to people and um, so all that's left for me to say is thank you so much to um, to both of you for taking part today i've really enjoyed this uh, this session um, and understanding about not just the journey that we've been on as an industry but actually where we are now and hopefully for anybody who's thinking about um our industry, as a career, then we've we've really talked about some of the myths that potentially were out there, busted them, um, and and, and thought and understood a bit about how we address um, flexibility and work-life balance. Uh, The next podcast takes place on the 24th of September, and I will be joined again by another two great guests, and the topic that we are going to explore is mentoring. So if you're interested in that, do please join us and sign up in the usual way. Um, So all that's left for me to say is um, thank you once again to the guests. Thank you also for listening to this and um, enjoy the bank holiday weekend, everybody.